I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Hello, everybody, and welcome aboard. So let's ask a question. Are we out of our minds? That's a question I pose today. Are we out of our minds? As a nation, we see everything that's been done in the past that was wrong being done again. We see Biden and his administration paying $6 billion to Iran to release hostages. Now, I agree. We have to get our hostages back. But Ronald Reagan set the precedent a while back when he said, we will not pay hostage money. Because if you do that, you just encourage people to take more hostages. Now, throughout my life, Iran and countries like Iran, rogue, violent, terror-driven nations, used the ploy of taking people hostage. They were spies, they were this, they were that, and holding them to get money or to get favor uh, out of the United States, something favorable to them. And Reagan said, no, we will not do it. Uh, and it actually sends a loud message. Now, it's very difficult for the person who is taken hostage that the government will not negotiate for you. It's tough for your family, absolutely. But the reality is you're saving and preventing other people from t being taken hostage. Uh, so the movie Air Force One really put this in, in perspective. Um, Harrison Ford movie, he was the President of the United States and he held the position he will not negotiate with terrorists. And we saw in that movie that a terrorist group infiltrated Air Force One. They tried to take over the plane. And what they wanted was the release of some radical general, uh, Radic, I think his name was, from a, uh, a jail in Russia that the United States had influence over. Now, this was a different time. This was going back to the 90s, 80s and 90s. So we had more influence uh, than we do now with Putin. But it was a story. It was, it was a movie. It was a screenplay. But the message that it sent showed that while this president spoke that he will not uh, pay hostage money, he will not negotiate with terrorists, when they took his family hostage and they were going to kill his wife and his daughter, he negotiated and he succumbed. And he had the general released to protect his wife and daughter. Now, we all know, anybody that saw the movie, that what the terrorists were going to do was even though once they got what they wanted, they weren't going to follow through and, and, and let the family live. They were going to kill everybody and get out of the plane. You can't trust people like this. That's the problem. So, and I've said this before, and I'm not a warmonger. I'm not, I'm not about sending my kids or your kids out to war. What I am about is using American power and military might to do good for America and for all freedom-loving people. We have done that forever. How many lives have we lost in the battle for freedom, right? We've done it multiple times around the world. What I am saying is that these countries that are not afraid of us anymore, and I'm going to say, unfortunately, with good, good reason, would you be afraid of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris? Would you be afraid of them? Would you be afraid of the clown show we have uh, with our friends on the left, with the with the the nonsense that they go round and round about every day? as opposed to worrying about what's really happening to American citizens, what's going on around the world. You know, uh, it, it, I'm going to get caught off guard here. I'm going to continue going. So what I'm saying is that 
this this is just another weakness. We've tried this in the past and it didn't work. We learned the lesson. Ronald Reagan learned the lesson and taught everybody you don't negotiate with these people. If anything, you uh, speak softly and carry a big stick, as another former president once said. You let them know that there is dire consequences, not just a consequence. Well, you took five people hostage, so we're going to... Uh, we're going to, I don't know, stop shipments of your oil to leave. No, you sink their entire fleet. You cripple their their uh, oil business. You cripple it. You do something that sends such a powerful message to them that they don't want to get involved in it. You know, th that doesn't mean go to war. That means using your technology to devastate them to the point that they realize I shouldn't do this. Now, that's very tough talk from me sitting here in the safely ensconced in the Lieutenant Joe studios. But I think when the world thought, at least the enemies of America thought that America would slap back very, very hard, they weren't as inclined to do things. So I, I think this is a, a very bad mistake. Now we also see there's a term out there now that we didn't have before. Remember, because the borders are safe. The borders are secure. The borders are closed. Safer than they've ever been, according to President Biden. Safer than they've ever been. More secure than ever. And I think I've tried to explain this in the past. As people say, well, how, how can you say it's more secure when millions of people illegally have crossed the border into the United States? Because their big scream was, the system is broken, the system is broken. We're not allowing people into the country fairly and justly. See, so for them, just opening the border, letting everybody pour in, is fair and just. And that fixes the system. It's not a problem that all these people are coming in. There's nothing to it. It's actually a good thing, right? Now, we see um, street releases as a new term, which means that there are so many illegal immigrants crossing over into the United States, they can't possibly vet them. They can't possibly do background checks on them. They're overwhelming the stations that they have set up. So all they're doing is they're putting them immediately on buses or trains or whatever and shipping them out to wherever they want to go. No accountability whatsoever. Now, it's one thing. If I went to, um, I don't know, if I went to uh, Spain and they wanted to do a background check on me. They could check a records uh, in America and they would find out exactly who I am. Everywhere I've went, they could check my driver's license, my uh, passport. They could check my social security number. They could check my criminal history. They could do all kinds of things because there's tons and tons and tons of records on Americans. We can find out who people are. In many of the countries where people are coming from that are coming to this country, they do not have those kind of systems. They don't have people documented. They don't have fingerprint systems. They don't have databases about people to know who's good or bad or whatever. And what happens is, what, what are we going to do? All right, we, have a, uh, we have this individual here we're concerned about, and we'll do a background check on, uh, on, at his home country. You're not going to find anything. There's, there's nothing to find. They don't keep those kind of records. And if they do, they're not very good records. So we can't count on them. So again, another big problem. One of the things I have heard, now I listened to the mayor of New York, who's, who's got a tough time right now, trying to figure out what to do with all of these people who have been sent to New York, you know, to the sanctuary city of New York. Because New York has boasted, uh, as many other American cities have, that they are sanctuary cities. All 
uh, immigrants are welcome, illegal or otherwise, to come to the city. That they will be welcomed with open arms, they will be taken care of, they will be uh, clothed, fed, sheltered, medical cared, everything. This is, this is the, um, the virtue signaling of these uh, cities. Now, it's a very good thing to do right by people who want to come here. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. Itch in my throat. It's a very good thing to do right by people who want to come here to America. If they come here legally and they have a purpose for being here and they're going to offer something to our country, then I think open the door wide and let them in. Figure out what we need from people around the world and bring those people in. To just let everybody in, and we've all said this a thousand times, you, know, you, you, beat, you beat the horse to death by saying it over and over and over again. We can't just take everybody, so that's really a problem. But these street releases are a new term because the, the Border Patrol people are completely overwhelmed. There's no room for anybody. They can't put them up anywhere. They can't take care of them, so they're just letting them get on buses and trains and go. Go, you're free to go. There was a guy on the news, uh, he was asking an officer, so I'm okay to go to Chicago? No officers, you can go anywhere you want. You're in the country. You're here. So the Biden administration is twisting words, right? They're parsing their words. They're twisting words. It's the it's it's the safest it's ever been, because they're letting everybody in. See, so it's it's not really safe. There are people being hurt all the time, uh, but the reality is they want to say it's the safest, and we're fixing a broken system from my predecessor. The predecessor who kept people in Mexico when they applied to come to the United States, when they did things the right way. Remember that? That was used to be something we used to do in this country, do things the right way. But they don't do it. Now, I do want to make one correction. You know, I, I want to be accurate. And in my passion, sometimes I, uh, I let my mouth run. And one of the things we know is that people on the terrorist watch list have come into the country. Uh, and I think uh, in a previous episode, uh, I, I said the number it was much, much higher than the documentation. Now, you hear from different sources, uh, but the source I heard from was incorrect, and I had said that it was uh, multiple thousands, and it's not multiple thousands. It's multiple hundreds. Now, that doesn't include uh, the 1.5 to 3 million getaways who we have no idea who they were. I mean, every one of them could be on the terror watch list. We don't know because we don't know who they are. They got away. Get the idea? But I want to correct that. Uh, I wanted to stand corrected. I said thousands, and it's not. The documented ones are uh, several hundreds. But you know what? I'll go back to the point I made. It took 16 people and four airplanes to cause unbelievable grief and havoc and pain and suffering in our country. So 150 or 5,000. There's more than enough people on that terrorist watch list who can hurt us if they wanted to do it. So street releases are a example of another failure. And this is what I'm saying. Are we out of our minds? How do we sit and look at the policy of the Biden administration and say, well, all this is good. All this is good. This is all good stuff because it's not good. $3.75 a gallon for gasoline is not good. For a majority of the country cannot afford that, but they have to go to work every day. So, so why is that a good thing? It's not. All right, we had 3.7% inflation. Well, it went up from 3.4%. I thought Bidenomics was saving the country. Now, that's not 3.4% over what it was three and a half years ago. That's 3.4% above the 8%. So inflation is out of control. What is it costing you to feed your family? 
It's ridiculous what it costs to feed your family. A lot of people cannot afford it. We don't have those kind of things. Another failure of the Biden administration. This is a big time failure. Around the world, we see the uniting of China and Russia and North Korea, probably. And all of these groups, uh, you know, another uh, access of evil um, uniting together again. And where's that going to lead us? Is that going to lead us to something good? When you give evil people power and money and the opportunity to do bad things, do they go, no, I think I'll do good things now? Or do they do bad things? Well, history tells us very clearly they do very, very bad things. And what do we have then to look forward to? We have a weak president, a weak Congress, and we're projecting this weakness around the world and people are taking advantage of it. That is not good for my kids or your kids or your grandchildren or my grandchildren. It leads to suffering and pain again. So street releases are the new term that's out there. $6 billion to Iran so they can release the five people. And I understand they've been released, which is good. They're, they're, they should be home. But there has to be a better way to do it. There has to be a better way to do it. All right. Also, we saw um, thousands of illegals apparently on trains riding trains into the United States, and here they come, right? There's video of it. That's all a good thing? Who's on those trains? They're not even vet. That's what street releases are. They're not even vetting people anymore. There's too many of them. Just come on, let them in. And this brings me to my point about the mayor of New York and virtue signaling that we are a sanctuary state and we're sanctuary city and we're sanctuary this and that. All good feelings, but they're not based on reality. Reality says we cannot be a... a uh, a place where people can just flock to. We have to control immigration so that it's good for the country, right? The whole idea of immigration is not so it's good for the rest of the world. It's so it's good for America. What does America need? What do you and I need? What do our families need? What do our businesses need? If we need more people, we vet them and we bring in good people that have skills that we need. It enhances our country. We don't just open the door. This is what's lost and gone. So there's another thing. Are we out of our minds? putting up with this Biden administration doing this? Don't you feel kind of like all alone out there? That nobody, nobody's thinking about this. You don't hear anything about it. You don't hear news stories about it. You don't hear, you don't see congressmen down at the border crying in front of the people that are there, you know, in the cages, the Obama cages, because that's who built them. Right? You don't see people down there crying. You don't see AOC down there snotting herself, crying all over the place. Oh my God, look what's going on here. No, it's all good. You're not looking at, at, at the tragedies that are happening because of this illegal immigration to the people who are emigrating, to the women and children who are being victimized and abused, to the cartels that are making billions of dollars off of this uh, allowing to people to come in, which only emboldens them and causes havoc and pain and suffering in Mexico, our southern border uh, country. So when I look at all this, I have to say to myself, and, and I guess I'm talking to Biden voters or lefty voters out there. I'm a conservative kind of guy. Uh, I always like to say, I vote for the best person. But you know what? You have to vote for policy, too. You have to vote what's in your best interest. And sometimes that comes down to policy and not necessarily the person. If I thought Joe Biden and his policies or our friends on the left and their policies were the best for our country, for my family, for my friends, for all of us, I would support them. But they're not. I just went over a couple of these absolute failures that we have. 
and it's really a a definitely difficult thing. Now, let me pick on our friends on the right, our rhino friends. So, Speaker of the House McCarthy announces that they're going to do an impeachment inquiry. Now, it's not an impeachment. Now, I know most of the listeners here understand that. It's not, it's not an impeachment. It's an inquiry so that we can gather information. Now, reporters, you've seen these reporters be lambasted by this McCarthy, who's actually doing a pretty good job, because they, they come up with all the, the Biden administration talking points, because they're really just mouthpieces for the, uh, for the Democrat Party and for the Biden administration. You, I mean, how can you say they're not? You know, how can you come out there and start an inquiry when there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever? And then they list, you know, 25 or 30 things that are, at face value, so absurdly suspicious that a right-thinking person would have to say, boy, you know, that's a lot of smoke. We should probably take a look and see if there's anything to that. Right? But the press doesn't do that. They look at it and they go, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. They repeat it. There's no, even though you lay it out for them. How about and I've asked my audience this before, how many shell companies does your family have getting money from Ukraine and Russia, Russian oligarchs, and from China, and your grandchildren getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in their, uh, their uh, deposits uh, into their bank accounts? How about 150 suspicious activity reports? If you had one or two, the FBI would be knocking on your door to find out, hey, where'd you get that $11,000 from? Why, why'd they send you $11,000? This is millions and millions of dollars that Hunter Biden didn't pay tax on. But the Department of Justice allowed the uh, statute of limitations to run on those, so we can't prosecute him for that. Do you think that would happen to you or to your family? If you owed $12,000 uh, and you got it from, uh, from working and you didn't report it, you purposely withheld that? People make mistakes all the time on their taxes. They do. They don't understand uh, what they can write off, what they can't write off. Sometimes CPAs don't know. The book is very, very difficult. It's slippery. It moves. It changes. So those kind of things are different. You know, they look at that and say, okay, well, you, this is not a deduction. You have to pay tax on that. Okay, fair enough. But when you purposely withhold income and you don't put it down, like almost a million dollars Hunter made from uh, uh, Burisma, the, the, the energy company, that's purposely withholding. That's like that's jail time. Lots, lots of people have gone to jail for that. How about uh, Farah acting, acting on the behalf of foreign governments to help them get stuff in the United States? You have to be registered so people know who you're working for. He's not registered for any of that. How come there's no investigation on that? Meantime, Trump made a phone call about the Biden's corruption in Ukraine, and Nancy and the gang turned around and uh, impeached him over that. So that they can say, he's twice impeached, twice impeached, four criminal, four criminal cases against him, four criminal cases. And as Trump describes them, uh, they are Biden indictments. And they are. They are politically driven. It is crystal clear. If you're being honest. If you're not being honest, and I've said this before, it's because you can't see it or you won't see it. If you can't see it, shame on you for not opening your eyes and listening to the facts and not hiding behind your, anything but the orange man. I hate the orange man. Right? If you're doing that, that's one thing. But if you won't see it, that it's right in front of you, and you refuse to see it, you refuse to accept it, that's probably even worse. So that's who I'm kind of talking to out there. Are you out of your mind? Wouldn't you rather have $2 gallon gas, strong America, an immigration system that works for the country, 
an economy that's thriving and booming and not, you know, this nonsense. I made 13 million jobs more than any president before. Uh, excuse me. You enforced lockdowns that put people in jail for going to their business during the COVID thing. And people all lost their jobs because of the COVID shutdown. When those jobs come back, when the COVID shutdown is over, you did not create those jobs. You got the hell out of the way so people could go back to work. That's not creating jobs. And that's nonsense. Are you out of your mind that you believe that, that you listen to that nonsense? The fact that in our country today, we seem to be so overwhelmed with this, I don't even, I don't even know what to describe it. This feigned, uh, feigned non, non-existing knowledge about what's really going on. When, okay, if I said it out loud, I would lose some political points, so I won't say it. it it's driving us to hell in a handbasket. If somebody on your side does something wrong, you should say they did something wrong and we don't stand for that. When you refuse to say that, you allow them to just be wrong lie and make it up and cover it up, you are part of the problem. And I say that very clearly. Uh, If somebody on my side did something wrong, I say, you know what? They should be held to account. I said that about Trump. If Trump actually did terrible things that they want to impeach him for, he actually did crimes against America, then he should be impeached. He should be charged. But asking about votes when we see that there were so many voting irregularities to say, well, you know what, Uh, 78 million people voted for me and they think something's up, that this isn't right. Well, the courts looked at it and they turned him down, said he was wrong. They said he was wrong. No, they didn't. The courts refused to take the cases, probably politically motivated that they refused to take the cases. So nobody actually investigated any of this. Maybe on the local level, they did a little investigation, but there was no big look into what happened. And I'm not saying Biden's not the president. Maybe he did win. He, he won enough to get the votes that they certified him. He's the president. He's been the president two and a half years. The bottom line is you indict somebody over these things. There's four of them, four indictments of a former president, never been done before. Your eyes are completely closed if you don't see that this is a political prosecution and persecution of somebody they don't want going back to the White House. So our rhino friends who are out there, and they're hedging their bets. They're dancing around about, well, we shouldn't even do an inquiry. I don't think we should do an inquiry. We should, I don't know. We shouldn't get involved in it. What, what do our friends on the left do? They had made up lie evidence that was provable, that they knew was all lies. The Russian hoax, they all knew it. Adam Schiff and all, they all knew it was lies. They didn't care. They voted indict. They voted impeach. They didn't care. But the rhinos are running around going, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily see it. I could see it, but I don't want to see it. Maybe maybe it's too much trouble. Maybe I'll have a problem. You know what? If you don't get reelected in your home district because you stood up for the truth and for honesty and pointed out what was wrong, then so be it. Have some guts. Be an adult. Be a patriot for your country and say, you know what? This is wrong. We should at least look into this. Because I could sit here and, and re- recite, uh, you know, line by line, everything we saw. 
I gave you a couple. 150 suspicious activity reports. There's a reason we have suspicious activity reports. That the banks pay attention to money coming into the country because they know maybe it's drug money. Maybe it's uh, mafia money. Maybe it's some other bad money. And that's why they do a suspicious activity report. And we're expected, our FBI, to go and investigate that. When you have 20 shell companies that offer no services, that have nobody in command that has a skill that is needed, why did you do that? Why would you have 20 shell companies? Why would your grandchildren get money from overseas entities placed in their bank accounts? Why would your son get money to buy a Porsche after he meets? Why would you sit down with a Russian oligarch and then your son gets a $3 million check? Well, Joe never got the money. Joe never got any money. Joe Biden didn't get no money. He didn't get nothing out of that. Well, first of all, uh, again, you either don't know or refuse to know the law. The law says a person in power, like the vice president of the United States, who uses his influence, his position or her position, whatever, to enrich themselves or their families is guilty of the crime. So because they made a, a good uh, plausible deniability, you know, like Joe having, uh, what did they say, 1,500 emails with a pseudonym, not his real name? Why would you use pseudonyms? Do you use pseudonyms when you're emails, when you're talking about your mortgage or your business? No. People use pseudonyms so that they can't be connected to. Remember Hillary saying she didn't keep emails because the Congress might want to look at what I'm saying. If you can't see this, or if you refuse to see it, you are part of the problem. So an inquiry gives the Congress more power. Because right now, the Biden family could clear this all up if they didn't do anything wrong. If they did not do anything wrong, they could clear this up by saying, here, here's all our bank records. Here's my grandchildren's bank accounts. Here's my bank accounts. Here's my mortgage payments on my beach house and my other mansion and this mansion that even though there's no way I could earn that money to buy those places as a uh, senator for all these years, even though I didn't have the money for that, but I'm going to show you everything that came in and came out. Are they releasing those records? No, they're not releasing those records. Is there a call for those records? No, there's no call for those records. Was there a call for Trump's taxes? Trump's taxes, Trump's taxes, Trump's taxes. What does he Trump's taxes? There was a drumbeat every single day. Here we have obvious suspicious activity on the part of the Biden family, at the very least. And there's not a story. There's not, that tells you all you need to know about the corruption of our country at this particular time. It is hard to, hard, hard to really wrap yourself around what a wreck, train wreck, this is. And it does not bode well, my friends, for our nation. How do we come back from this? You know, we talk about uh, people being nervous about the elections. Well, how come we didn't fix it two elections ago and realize there are problems with our election system? We better figure it out. We have technology. We can do lots of things. We could probably figure out how to do uh, a voter ID scan, a thumb scan, something to prove one person, one vote, and that you're the person placing the vote. But no, we don't do that. We're not doing that. We refuse to do that. You have to ask yourself who benefits from a broken system. That's a question you need to answer. I think I know the answer. I'm asking you. Who do you think benefits from a broken system that is allowing shenanigans to go on, let's just say? I don't know, but we'll be back in a minute with more Stand By. 
Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. All right, we're back. All right, so I'm going to tell you just for a quick second, uh, if you're looking to increase your health, I tell you all the time. I let you know about this all the time because I think it's absolutely realistic, uh, is the Healthy Cell line of products. They're on the network here. Uh, I use the Immune Boost, but there's the Sleep product. My cousin uses it. I know it really works, and I know the fellows in the neighborhood are using the Focus Factor, and they've actually started to make sense once again. Uh, and I know. Where are they? We'll get them back on. Everybody's kind of busy right now, but the uh, Healthy Cell line of products actually are very, very good. Uh, I do use them myself. And I think they're excellent. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that as we come out of our break time together and we move forward. So I appreciate you allowing me to ask these questions because that's really what we should all be asking questions, right? Are we out of our minds? Well, one thing I do want to talk about, I want to change gears here a little bit um, and talk about a couple of things. First of all, I want to pay honor to um, an L.A. sheriff's officer, Ryan Klinkenbroom. All right, I want to make sure I get his name right because he's an American hero. Ryan Klinkenbroom. Ryan was killed in an ambush attack sitting in his patrol car uh, for no reason. He didn't stop somebody illegally. He didn't harass somebody who was not committing a crime. He didn't go after somebody who just committed a crime and doesn't want to be arrested. Ryan apparently was sitting in his patrol car when he was ambushed and murdered for no other reason than he was a police officer. Now, we have seen the rise in crime as a result of policy. We have seen the rise in crime as a result of lack of prosecution. We have seen the rise in crime as a result of uh, wrong-headed thinking about the criminal justice system. We have seen a rise in crime uh, for many reasons, including, and I think at the start of it, uh, 
the whole defund the police movement. So basing a whole movement of defunding the police, getting cops off the street, stop making arrests, let criminals run wild and do what they want to do, because one bad officer did something horrible to another person, is basically throwing out the baby with the bathwater. That situation was dealt with. That officer was convicted of a crime and will serve his time now for what he did. But in the meantime, the response, the defund the police movement, which is really an anti-capitalist, anti-rights movement. It is, it is designed to damage the country and move us towards socialism. See, there's always another motive than what it looks like on its face. Motives are used by people to, to get everyone else to join in. It's, yes, we, we, want, we don't want people victimized by the police for no reason because the police are bad. They just go after people because they don't like them. And that's not true. That is not true. Uh, are there individual instances of cops who did bad things and wrong things? Yes, there are. Just like there's plumbers who did bad things and wrong things, politicians who did bad things and wrong things, uh, teachers who do wrong, thing, wrong things and bad things. Human beings do bad things and wrong things. When you find them, you pick them out and you prosecute them and you put them where they need to be. You don't destroy an entire underpinning of our society, which is our safety and security. When you defund the police, when you list such narratives that say the police are the enemy, the police are your, are your uh, killers, your oppressors, the police are here to hurt you, and therefore we have to do away with the police. We don't have to listen to the police. You don't have to be arrested if you think the cop is bad or you don't agree. All that leads to is more victims, more injured people, more injured cops. And like L.A. Sheriff's Deputy Ryan Klinkenbroom being murdered in his police car. So as I think about this and I look and I say, people who say we need justice reform, we do. Every, every so often we need to look at our system and we need to determine if our system is functioning properly based on the times, based on the laws, based on what the American people want. Now, I've, I've said and I've written about this many times. If people don't like people being pulled over for a broken windshield or a bald tire or a light out on their license plate, take that law off the books and say we no longer find that to be a violation. But the reality is many, many, many states and municipalities, uh, they need uh, motor vehicle law enforcement to generate revenue. Oh my gosh, that's a bad thing to say. It's supposed to be out there to make sure people have safe cars. And I think maybe that's what it started from. But in reality, uh, sometimes people just can't fix their car. They just don't have the money to fix it. So it's unsafe car. Should they drive it? No, they shouldn't. So if it's unsafe to drive, like say you got a wobbly wheel, that car should be taken off the road. But if you got a license plate light out, um, well, you have to have license plate lights, Lieutenant Joe, so that the police can see the license plate when they pull up behind it. No, I have headlights for that. That's a societal decision. Do we want to have officers no longer do those things? Then we say, remove them from the books so that officers don't stop people for taillights, bald tires, and, and cracked windshields. Right? That's how you address that. You don't leave them on the books 
and then have people demand that the officers enforce the laws on the books and then be upset when they enforce the laws on the books. All of this leads to danger for our law enforcement officers. I know when I was a law enforcement officer, every single day I went to work, I would kiss my wife goodbye, kiss my children goodbye, get in my car and go to work, knowing that there was a possibility that I could die that day. Now, it's not something that lingers in your brain. You know, once you're a cop for a little while, you kind of deal with that. I mean, you carry a gun to work, for God's sake, because you have to deal with things that are life and death. But you start to learn to understand how to do that, how to deal with that. And it doesn't become a constant thought in your mind until you get sent to a call or you have to do something where you interact with other people and you have to consider, is this dangerous? I mean, one thing cops go to is domestic violence assaults. Somebody's uh, getting beat up and they call for help and the officer shows up and the person doing the beating pulls a gun and shoots and kills the officers. Now, they were there to protect the victim and they got shot and killed. Happens all the time, right? This is not a once in a while. This happens all the time. So it's a sacrifice. And officers know that going out into the field to do their work. But when you create an animosity and a hatred towards police officers and their mission, and you malign them, and you call them racist, and you call them bad, and you call them evil, and they're just out to hurt people, the result you get is Officer Ryan Klinkenbroom being ambushed and murdered in his car. So it's, it's by, by no light means that I say the blood of this officer and all the officers who have been beaten, murdered, stabbed over the last couple of years by people who hate the cops because it's been ginned up in them to hate the cops, the blood of those people are on their hands. The politicians who stood in line saying, don't stop, and they shouldn't stop doing what they're doing. That is a reality, right? What would they say if you were out calling for a, a specific group of people to be marginalized, to be hurt, to be, uh, to be cast away from society, and then bad things happen to them? Wouldn't they say the blood of those people are on your hands? Because they would be, right? Leave everybody alone and let them live their lives. The police are a vital part of our national security. If our homes and our neighborhoods, all of our neighborhoods are not safe and secure so that children can walk down the street without being injured, raped, or murdered, or killed by crossfire, gunfire, by uh, people in gangs or whatever, then we don't have much of a life. So when we see somebody like the governor of New Mexico say that, well, all rights are not absolute. Even my oath is not absolute. I do what I have to do to protect people. And then she steps all over the Constitution. Now, thank goodness she had pushback from her own party as well as from the Republicans. But when you see thinking like that, so, so improperly considered, so improperly brought forward that their judgment is more. When I said, hey, how about go after the criminals? Because the whole thing in, in New Mexico was that within a short period of time, in some high crime areas, some innocent children were killed, either purposely or by uh, you know random rounds that weren't aimed for them that came down and killed these children. And they said, oh, well, the guns, the guns, the guns are, the guns are just shooting themselves, killing innocent children, and therefore no one can carry their guns. That is not the right response 
That is a stupid response. That is a improperly calculated response. That is a dangerous response for all the people who would be victimized if they weren't allowed to have their guns. Because the statistics, I know we hate statistics because, boy, they, they really go against our narrative. But about 500,000 to a million times a year, people with weapons protect themselves, their homes, and their family. Well outnumber the times uh, that people are killed. And when we look at how many times people are killed with guns, um, it is a very, very small number, uh, percentage of people that are killed other than, you know, suicides included in there. People use guns for suicide or people involved in uh, nefarious activities like gang activity, killing each other or committing robberies and accidentally killing people. Uh, the number is much, much smaller. Now, every single death, no matter who the person is, is a terrible tragedy and a bad thing and it shouldn't happen. But we don't take away the rights of American citizens because as a bungling governor, you don't know how to address crime. All these cities where people are dying every single day. Oh, Chicago? And they can't figure out how to get to the root of the problem. Well, you get to the root of the problem by not defunding the police, by refunding and overfunding the police, and you send them into those neighborhoods where people are dying, innocent people, innocent children walking up and down the street in New Mexico and Chicago and every other place in this country where this is happening. You send the police in there and you tell them, we do not tolerate crime. Go after the criminals. Do not take away the citizens' rights. Because that's a blanket way to do it, and it's a cowardly way to do it, because you're not affecting the crime. Because first of all, the only people that are not going to carry their guns are going to be the law-abiding people who say, well, I disagree with the governor, but now it's the law, so I have to leave my gun home. Do you think the criminals heard that and said, well, can't carry guns anymore? Damn, how am I going to commit my robberies and rapes and murders if I'm not allowed to carry my gun? You see how stupid this is? Are we out of our minds? We see things right in front of us and we can't function because we're playing stupid games with words and with these thoughts we're having. You have to understand how things actually work. If you don't go after criminals, they will come after you. If you want your children to be safe, you want the police to be aggressively patrolling your neighborhoods. And if that means they have to stop you because you're acting suspiciously, or you just committed a crime, but you don't want to be held accountable, well, then that's what has to happen. Would I like it to get stopped? And I've been stopped lots of times in my life. I've been stopped lots of times, and I say, hey, officer, what's up? What did I do? What's the matter? Can I be my license? Here's my license. What did I do? Mm -hmm. Here's your ticket. Okay, I don't agree with the ticket, but you know what? I take the ticket. Thank you. I also obey the law. I don't commit crimes. I don't rape people. I don't rob people. I don't commit burglaries. I don't have warrants at the yin-yang that every time I get stopped, there's three warrants for me for nonsense or for serious things. So that's kind of the problem that we have with our society here. So Officer Ryan Klinkenbroom, God bless you, Ryan. Thank you for your service. 30 years old and taken from his family, his friends, from all of us, taken from our nation in an ambush killing. And we'll find out in the days to come, the ridiculous, absurd thinking or reasoning of the killer. And then we'll say, okay, well, there's another name for the wall in Washington for the police thing. Okay, there we are. And we'll all move on and we'll forget all about Ryan Klinkenbroom. And then next, 
there'll be another officer or multiple officers' names that we'll be talking about for a day. And we don't even mention all of the citizens who were victimized by crime each and every single day because we do nothing about it. You can steal up to $1,000 a day and we won't prosecute you. What do you think is people are going to do when you tell them that? They're going to go steal $999 worth of stuff. And you put businesses out of business, which people can't have jobs then. It is abs- Are we out of our minds? This is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous the way we are living. And I don't know that we're going to wake up from it. You know, you see all these things on social media. Wake up, everybody. See the truth. Well, there is a truth. There is truth. Uh, there's propaganda. And then there's truth. But the reality is safety and security. Everyone, every single citizen of the United States and visitor here deserves to be able to walk free. Every child should be able to play on their stoop or lay in their bed or watch TV and not get shot in the head with a stray bullet. Go after the criminals. You see, Rudy Giuliani, who these uh, our friends on the left hate now, Rudy Giuliani, and all the 9-11 uh, specials, they, you know, they can't, uh, they, they don't mention Rudy at all. They talk about the hero officers and fire personnel who gave their lives, but they don't talk about Rudy Giuliani and the amazing job he did as America's mayor. Why? Because he's hooked up with the orange man, so we can't remember what great things he did. Because we are screwed up in the head. Is my message getting out there? Are you hearing it? We are not thinking clearly. We are not thinking properly. We're thinking emotionally. We're thinking emotionally. We're not doing things what's right for all of us and for our families. We're hanging on to these, these, these stupid beliefs we have that, well, Trump is just bad, and no matter what, we can't have anything but Trump. We gotta, we'll do another four years of horror in our economy and our standing in the world and everything else not to have the orange man back. And I have to ask you, be honest. What was so bad about when the orange man was here? He said ugly things. He said ugly things. Well, you know what? Joe Biden says ugly things. Lots of people say ugly things. How do they do the job? How do they do the job? You know, we all know that um, lots of people in history, you know, they cursed a lot. They yelled. They threw things around. We didn't seem to care about it then, but we care about it now. People will not give an inch on this because... They, they, they're, they're, they're so caught up in their own thoughts as though their imports, thoughts are that important as opposed to going, well, what's really what's best? And I could, again, I could go over the list of things. $2 gallon gas, 3% mortgages, a safe, secure border, a powerful, strong military, the world respecting us, an economy that is growing and producing room for everyone to reach their dreams, or what we have now, a bucket of suck is what we're all dealing with now. And what are we going to do down the road? What are we going to do down the road? Come that next election, if it is Trump versus Biden, or Trump versus Newsom, or Trump versus Harris, are you one of those people that are going to walk in there and say, well, I just can't vote for Trump. I just can't do it. And vote for somebody and their policies that will continue to hurt you and your family and our nation. Maybe to the point that we can't come back. Because remember, our friends on the left are not afraid to use the courts, to abuse the laws, to avoid the Constitution, or step right over the Constitution. They have proved what they are willing to do to you 
to maintain power and to do the things that they want to do. They don't go, gee, we really want to do this, but it's not really constitutional, so we shouldn't do it. No, they do it anyway, and they wait two years for the court, maybe, depending on who's on the court, to go, yeah, that's not constitutional. You shouldn't have done that to people. Is that the world you want to live in? Well, that's the world you're voting for. That's the world you're voting for. Now, the, the, you know, uh, the great Rush Limbaugh used to say, it's a conservative country. Um, then, then why do we have to fight socialism and liberalism all the time? I don't think it is. I think the tide may have turned uh, in their favor, uh, where people believe that getting things from the government, uh, allowing the government to, to, to rule your life, allowing you know your constitutional rights to be overrun, uh, is okay, as long as I get something for free. As long as I get a check in the mail, as long as I get something, uh, then I, I guess I'm okay with that. And that's the quickest way to ruin, as we will find out if we don't change things. So one of the things that uh, I, I, I was in church the other day, and uh, the priest is a, is, a, is a nice young man. He's about 40. He's very open. Uh, he's, he's a very good speaker. And he came out, and he was, you know, he gives a very good homily. You know, for those of you who don't know what homily is in the Catholic Mass, it's when the priest gets to talk and either tell you a lesson or try and give you some information to help you um, be closer to God, do the right thing in life, or make decisions, whatever. It's an informational period. The priest is trying to tell you something. So the priest comes out and he says, you know, there's a difference between nice and a difference between what is right. So a lot of times people will say and do things, right? And, and then we say, well, we know it's wrong, but don't say anything. Be nice. And how many times do we do that every single day? Well, don't say anything. You know it's wrong, but you don't say anything. So the example he gave is, uh, and we're Catholic people, right? So when you go, he goes, you know, Catholic parents are supposed to tell their children, instruct them in going to church, following God, doing what's right in the eyes of God. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, a lot of modern young people are rejecting the church in, in great numbers. They don't want to be told what's right and wrong. They want to choose their own way and make up their own spirituality. Because, you know, living by standards uh, cuts back on your fun because they don't think about their eternal soul. They're thinking about the fun of the moment and they reject the church and they don't go to church. And he says, you know, should you bring this up to your kids that when they start having their own children? Hey, listen, you should go back to church and you should take my grandchildren to church with you. And he says, well, the answer is yes. That's what you're expected to do. But do you do it? Most people say, no, because you know what? I'd, I'd rather just be nice because then when Christmas comes and everybody's not fighting, everybody's not mad at each other, I'd rather just be nice. Well, that's not what we're supposed to do. So I'm taking the priest's message about do we say and do things to be nice or do we say the truth? When do we stand up and say the truth? Because the truth, my friends, will set you free. When do we speak the truth? I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's cause, it could be a cause for sacrifice if you speak the truth about things. And I'm not talking about any particular topic. That's for you to decide. See, I bring up questions. You decide. When I want to give you my opinion, I'll give you my opinion. In this case, when is it better to be nice and let something bad continue than to stand up and make a stand? That's really the question. So all of this is leading me to a little piece I wrote 
for social media because I do I sit there and I write little pieces once in a while I put them up you know I'm not just book writer article writer sometimes I I think philosophically about things doesn't mean I'm right but I think philosophically about things once in a while and I will write some things down some thoughts that I have about whatever the topic is so it came to my mind I wrote a piece called the last time the last time it's a very short piece a couple hundred words And basically, I realized through the course of my life, living my life, that there are many, many things that we go through, good, bad, big and small, mundane or or exciting, that are the last time we will ever do them. And we don't realize it at that moment, in the presence of that moment. You don't realize this is the last time you're ever going to do it. For me personally... Um, I, I've all told you the story about my father. He died at 37 years old on a hunting trip with me. Poor man, 37 years old. Can you imagine that? How young. But the night that we left uh, to go hunting, in my very living room, in my home, uh, I watched my father kiss my mother goodbye. Okay, see you tomorrow. And they gave each other a hug and a great big kiss. And he turned around. And he goes, come on, let's go. We're off for a hunting trip. Very exciting, very fun. Nobody in that room at that moment realized that that was the last time my father would kiss my mother. That's the last time my mother would embrace the man she loved more than anything in the world. That's the last time my father would be in that home for all eternity. We didn't realize it was the last time. We didn't think about it. We were caught up in the busyness of our lives and the things that are going on. You know, the second thing I look at in my life is when my kids were little, um, one of the things we would do here is after dinner, Kathleen would be, you know, cleaning up or getting ready school lunches or whatever. And I would take the kids outside for a chimney. We would do a little chimney. We'd do some marshmallows. We would laugh and joke. And we did this uh, with all the kids, you know, the various ranges. They were separated by almost 20 years, I think. You know, yeah, we decided to have children our whole life instead of having a beach house. But that's okay because we love our kids. And it just worked out that way. But the reality was I would take them outside to do something for an hour 45 minutes, an hour and a half, whatever it was, do a chimney, do a marshmallow. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that gave Kathleen a chance to clean up, get lunches ready, or just take time to herself that, you know, she was busy all day. She could just sit and relax, whatever it was. And then there was a last time that we did the chimney. Didn't realize it was the last time, but the kids all went on then to sports and they went on to other activities and they did other things after dinner that they didn't need to be occupied for that time. And it was the last time we did. Now, we've done campfires since then and all that. But that ritual, that thing that we did every night as a family, that was over. And the other one that I think about all the time is that another thing I used to do, and I used to love to do this, was when my kids were ready to go to bed, Kathleen would get them all ready, and she would give them the baths and all that kind of stuff. And then I would go in and read a story or make up a story for my kids. And we would cuddle up and we would tell the story. And at some point, sometimes I fell asleep and I was in there for a couple hours or whatever. But we cuddled up, we read the book, we told the story, and I did it with all of my children, each and every one of them. And you don't realize it at the time, but my youngest son, Jack, uh, who's off to college now, uh, him and I used to go in there and do the same thing. And I made up a whole series of stories for him, the Detective Jack stories, um, where uh, a little boy seven-year-old boy helps the police uh, and really it was him he was featured in the story and, and he went and he you know 
fought crime and all because dad was a cop, right? So that involved him. And he loved the Detective Jack stories. And I loved telling them. And we would, as I'm telling him the stories, you know, some nights we'd get through it. Some nights we wouldn't. He would fall asleep. I would fall asleep. And, and we would just cuddle up and go to sleep. It was a very loving, uh, wonderful thing. And then there was a time when I told the last story to my youngest son. And that after that, we did not do that anymore for whatever reason. I just started working. He got too old to tell bedtime stories to. He could go to sleep by himself, whatever it was. Didn't realize that there was that last time that something that was so important and so wonderful uh, that if I had known it was the last time, I probably would have treated it differently. And that's really the lesson, the thing that I want to bring on here. You know, Sheriff's Deputy Ryan Clunkenbroom, Clinkenbroom, sorry, um, left his house for the last time, and nobody knew it. If you knew it was his last time, they would have probably done things differently, right? How many things in your life do you do that you take for consequence with the people you love, with the people you care about, with the things you care about? And we don't realize at any moment it could be the last time for mundane reasons, people outgrow it, time changes, or for something drastic and terrible, right? So let's end on a positive note here and say, let's treat every time we do something like it was the last time, and we will love it more, we will cherish it more, we will care about it more, and it'll have more value to us. Just like being here with you. I hope this is not the last time. I hope to see you down the road. Remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.